amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. Sunday, everyone. You are tuned into a brand new episode of Cinema and Noir. This is Rebecca Theodore, aka Funk Fatale, NYC, and I am joined by Kimberly Renee. Hi, Kim. Hey, happy Sunday. Hey. Um, our other co-host Candice is on her way, so she'll be jumping in on the podcast. From what I understand, I think she went to go see Brandy um, at Chicago, and I'm super jealous. So we'll have to um, <laughs> pump her for information and see what she thought about that. Um, anyway, we have a great show for you guys tonight. We're going to start off, we're going to kick off things with reviews of San Andreas, the uh, disaster action movie with, starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Um, we will also be discussing and reviewing um, the HBO movie that recently aired this uh, Friday and pretty much all this weekend, uh, titled Nightingale, starring the always fantastic um, David Oyelowo. So we'll be talking about that. Um, also, we'll have our casting um, TV and film news. Um, we'll also discuss a little bit, of, uh, talk a little bit about Zoe Saldana. It seems that uh, she chimed in um, on uh, Michael B. Jordan, uh, wrote an essay last week on Entertainment Weekly, basically um, addressing the critics or the criticisms of a black actor playing Johnny Storm, who's traditionally a white actor, and Zoe Saldana, of course, added um, her own um, thoughts on the matter, particularly the whitewashing of traditionally uh, colored roles or roles that have been by people of color. So we'll talk about Zoe's comments, um, and then also we'll have our must-see songs for 2015, and if we have time tonight, <laughs> um, tonight is the Critics' Choice TV Awards. I believe it's, it's being uh, aired on the, is it? AE the inter AE channel. I'll double check for you yeah. guys tonight. But yeah, it's it's the AE channel. Yes. So um, the Critics Choice TV awards are tonight. I think red carpet starts at eight, or the the actual ceremony starts at eight. So we'll just quickly go through the um, nominees and just give our thoughts of who we would like to win, who we hope wins. Um, so we'll get things started. Um, first, I'll I will review San Andreas. Um, Kim, did you did you see the movie? No. Yes. No, I didn't see any. No. Okay. Um, so yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I uh I'm a big fan. Let me let, let me be clear now. I am a huge fan of The Rock. Um 
I mean, his career evolution has just been something to be in awe of because, I mean, we've had other wrestlers, you know, make the jump into acting like Jesse Ventura and some others, but I don't think any of them have been as successful as The Rock. Um, You know, he just, uh, Fat Furious 7, from what I understand, just passed the $1.5 billion dollar mark this weekend um so wow. he's part of a very success yeah very successful franchise and he said he will be back for furious eight um and so yeah so andrea san andreas is a little bit of a litmus test because this is the one movie that you know the first he's starring in it he is the face of san andreas um and from what i understand it is the number one movie in america right now 53 million dollars <laughs> not bad. Yeah. Not bad uh, of course, for a movie, yeah, for a movie that's not a reboot or a remake or a sequel or whatever. Um, so yeah, the first, the top four: San Andreas, fifty-three million; Pitch Perfect is um, second with fourteen million this weekend; Tomorrowland, the uh, sci-fi movie with George Clooney, at thirteen million; uh, Mad Max is still holding on to the number four spot. Um, with 13 million, and Avengers is at number five and 10 million. So, oh, and of course, I am Miss Petty. Aloha is like all the way at the bottom. <laughs> um, it's number it's number six with a 10 million dollar opening. So, I mean, we may have to talk a little bit about this, Kim, after we review San Andreas and Nightingale, because this whole Aloha thing was just a hot mess, and I just did not think that it was going to make any money. So I'm really not no. that shocked. So, um, yeah. So quickly with San Andreas, if you've seen the, um, if you've seen the trailers or the commercials, basically it's a disaster movie, a huge, uh, seems that the San Andreas fault is activated. Um, and it's just disaster all along the West coast. Um, and so, yeah, so The Rock plays a, uh, fire, he works with the fire department with the, uh, with the rescue team, so basically any impossible situation, he's the first one to to come in and kind of save the day. And so um, the, the earthquake hits. Uh, his daughter, of course, you know, is stuck somewhere where he and his ex-wife team up uh, together to save their daughter. I just, I don't know. I mean, I understand that, you know, it's the summer, and, of course, these sort of blockbuster movies um, are big money, you know, you, you want to see the special effects and everything, but I personally just didn't enjoy San Andreas, and it had nothing to do with so much with the performances. I thought The Rock was good, because I think he's definitely trying to do more dramatic roles, and not just, look at me, I'm pretty, and I have muscles. Um, so I I thought he did a good job. I, I like uh, Carla Gugina as his ex-wife. Um and of course, Paul Giamatti as the scientist. I I thought he was he's fantastic. He's very quirky, very funny. Um, but yeah, my thing with San Andreas is that, um, and I said this Wednesday after I screened it, I was like, um, the disclaimer for San Andreas should be that it is pretty much a big trigger. Like it just it was just triggering a lot of things for me as far as nine eleven because I I am a New Yorker and I was there when it happened and there was just too much of the imagery, certain scenes in San Andreas um, that just, I just didn't feel comfortable. Like I was feeling like almost panicky. I don't get panic attacks, but that's what I felt like. Like my heart was just beating really fast and just very, and not in a 
spectacle way, like, oh, my God, look at that building is falling apart. But it was kind of like flashbacks. There's like a scene where people are running down the street, uh, running down the street and all the buildings are crumbling. And then there's just like all this soot and dust and, um, you know, concrete falling. And if you look up any footage of 9-11, that's pretty much what it looked like when the Twin Towers fell. So I feel that for people who have met, you know, who have experienced 9-11 or may have been there, I have a feeling that if I felt that way, I'm not speaking for everyone, but I, I would not be surprised if there are other people who feel that way. Um, and I understand that, you know, 9-11, it's been over 10 years since it's happened. And, of course, some people may be like, well, that happened a long time ago. And, you know, why are you – yeah, but stuff like that is still fresh in people's minds, you know what I mean? Because I, I live right. in Jersey and – um, you know, commuting to New York in the morning, um, at one point I was taking the PATH train, which is at the World Trade Center. So every morning when you're walking from the PATH station, walking to work, that's where the construction was. You know what I mean? So there's always reminders in downtown Manhattan of 9-11. Like that will never go. Even though they've rebuilt the towers, no one is ever going to really forget that, you know. So, I mean, I'm right. not putting that on San Andreas because I'm sure they weren't thinking that when they were making the movie. But, I I mean, and just as another note, I'm just – I'm a little curious as to why people are so fascinated with these type of disaster movies. I just don't enjoy them anymore. Like I just feel like there's just enough things going on in the world. This is not an escape for me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, and and I think the my other criticism of San Andreas was that um, for the death toll that was supposedly happening in this movie, I don't feel that the movie took these lives as seriously. You know what I mean? Like, you would just see people falling mm -hmm. out of a building, like ah, and they would just disappear. Into it, you know what I mean? And I'm like, that was a person. Like, that was probably somebody's mother, somebody's daughter, somebody's wife, and you know. I don't know. I it just I it was not an enjoyable movie for me. I'm sure there are some people who may get some kicks out of it. I just as I said, it was just a long 9/11 trigger and I just don't want to ever experience that ever again. <laughs> so, um I would be I would be curious to know um if for any of you guys listening, what are your thoughts if you saw San Andreas? Um did you see anything any parallels with 9/11 or did you just think it was just a really good popcorn? Um, disaster movie. Um, you know, you can hit us up on Twitter um, at Cinema and Noir, and be sure to use the Cinoir um, hashtags. That's C I N N O I R. Um, so, moving on to another movie <laughs> that may not have been as pleasant, but at least I got the artistic enjoyment out of it. Um, this past Friday, um, HBO aired Nightingale. Um, which is, you know, part of their original pro programming. Um, <clears throat> and so it stars David Oyelowo, who we recently saw in Selma, who played Martin Luther King Jr. Um, and he basically plays a war veteran um, who's dealing with mental illness. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but, um, Tim, I just want to hear what, what you thought of the movie and what you thought of the performances. And, um, yeah, what, what did you think of Nightingale? Yeah, well, I remember we talked about when the trailer, like the mini trailer dropped a couple of weeks ago. I was like, I'm not quite sure what's going on, but it's David Oyelowo, so I'm here for it. I'm going to be there. And so I watched it, mm -hmm. and he is absolutely amazing. Like, this movie takes mm -hmm. you on an emotional roller coaster. 
is like from the time the movie starts, you are captivated by his performance. And like you said, you don't want to give too much away, but it's just him kind of dealing with his descent and all this drama that's going on with him and in his life and him coping, and I'm giving you air quotes on coping with what's going on. <laughs> he is like, it's like watching a master class. Like he is literally the best of the best right now, and I just hope that Hollywood is taking note of everything that he is doing because he is his career is just fascinating to watch because he takes these risks, he champions these directors that he believes in, and he is just doing the damn thing right now. So if you haven't seen it, it's on HBO Demand. You can watch it, HBO Go. Um, He he was awesome, amazing. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with you. I, um, you know, because I saw saw the previews for Nightingale. I really wasn't sure what we were going to get out of it. and I think what was so fascinating to me about, well, there was a couple of things that I found fascinating. One was the fact that this is a one-man act. Well, I can't say act. I mean, David Oyelowo is the only person that you see throughout this whole movie. He carries that movie from start to finish. There are no other um, actors. You probably hear like a, maybe like a, a voice on the phone or something, and then another scene where someone's knocking on the door. But it is just... David in all the different various, <laughs> well, I shouldn't say personalities, but the, the different moods that he goes through. Um, and I could not believe what I was watching. I was like, really? Wow. You know what I mean? And like, this is, and I think the other thing too that I, that I love about Nightingale is that, because I think he, he said in an interview a couple of days ago um, at the red carpet, he was like, I want to, he told his agent, he was like, whatever, projects that Tom Hardy is turning down, those are the roles that I want, you know. And he's very smart in saying that because I don't think – because somebody could misconstrue misconstrue what Oyelowo means by that, but I know exactly what he's saying because we know how the Hollywood game is played, right? The quality um, prestige projects are always nestled and, you know, kind of kept together for – actors who are white, right? And if it's actors of color, usually the roles have to be something that has to do with your race as far as, like, pathology, like, a, a you know, you're a drug dealer, you're this or you're that, or you're suffering or you're a gangbanger. Like, they won't ever call you and say, hey, we have this role for this mentally, um, you know, war veteran that's, that's meant, you know, that has um, emotional problems. They would never think of David Oyelowo, you know what I'm saying? So right. I'm just glad that um, from what I understand, the producers of Nightingale are the same producers from 12 Years of Slaves and Selma. Um, so that's Plan B, Brad Pitt's production company, um, which is Brad Pitt and his um, partner, Dee Dee. So I'm assuming that this was probably in the works around the time that Selma happened. Um, and I just want to give a shout-out to Brad Pitt and Plan B because, you know, in all this talk of diversity in Hollywood, of how we want more opportunities for actors of color and directors of color and women, um, you know, I feel like Brad Pitt, without giving any interviews, with, like any platitudes about how he's about diversity, he's doing it. You know what I mean? And I, I'm just, I like for me, like I'm just so tired of like all these people in the industry who keep saying that they're they are about diversity, but when you look at their track record, their hiring practices, it says differently. 
You know what I mean? So I I would wish or I would hope that other people who watch Nightingale will be inspired um, to open up their casting list, right, and not just seek the Tom Hardys and the Michael Fassbenders or whatever, but to also look for the David Oyelowos and to also look for the Chiwetel Ejiofor and to look for the Morris Chestnuts. Like, just open up your mind. You know, it doesn't always have to be, um, you know, a white Person, it doesn't always have to be a white man mm-hmm. or a white woman. Because when I looked at Nightingale, I, that was to me, it was like uh, that could have been anybody. You could have easily cast Anyone. anybody in that role. Yeah, exactly. but the, but he brought home exactly what it was. It was about mental illness and it's about guilt and it's about relationships with your parents. And I think that's universal. I think everybody goes through that, you know. So um, he just gave a fan. Yeah, he gave a fantastic. Um, performance he's just i don't know like i i just feel like people should just be changing their casting list right now like damn i i think we need to go for some other stuff so um yeah he was and and the movie was just good and i and i think the other thing too is that speaking about mental illness too is because it's it's a taboo it's we stigmatize people with uh mental illness and i don't think that that movie um made fun of or made light of it. I think for me, yeah. I walked away from the movie with, I hope, more empathy and more understanding mm-hmm. um, for people who go through this. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because that's the other thing, too, is that in, in real life we're hearing about how um, a lot of funding is cutted, is a lot of fund, funding is cut for uh, veterans that come back here, you know, they serve their country, and then when they come back here, the mental, um, you know, the mental services or the, you know, if they need physical therapy, all these other health-related benefits are denied to them, you know. So, yeah, I I, I was just blown away by David. I'm just so happy for him. Um, as an aside, I heard that I think Esquire printed an interview where Steven Spielberg is interested in um, casting David Oyelowo for his own MLK movie, <laughs> which, I mean, <laughs> that's another story. I mean, I guess we'll have to do another one about that. But he's just that good, you know what I mean? I don't know if David will do it or not, but I'm just so happy for him. I'm just, I'm just ecstatic for him. And, um, and I hope for other aspiring actors and actresses that are listening to this podcast because um, I feel like you can learn from other um, thespians and other, you know, actors and actresses and how they run their careers. And I feel like David has made deliberate choices in his career. Mm-hmm. Like, these things don't just happen to him. Like, he seeks out these roles, and he's very specific about the type of roles that he plays. Like, he's said time and time again that I'm not interested in playing the sidekick. I'm not interested in playing the best black friend. You can miss right. me with that. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and don't get me wrong. There are yeah, there are some people who are good at that, like Anthony Mackie. Anthony Mackie's good at it. He's, <laughs> he's found his niche, right? He's right. good as the sidekick, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes character actors actually have a longer career. But mm-hmm. I just feel like whatever it is you feel you want to do as an actor or actress, there's nothing wrong with saying no. Right, you know, exactly. I'm just saying, yeah, yeah, it, it's always good to do that. So, um yeah. Anyway, um, so we've talked about that. We've talked about Nightingale. So um, just wanted to talk about – we'll go into the Zoe thing first because I, I want to I get that um, up front. Um, it seems that Zoe Saldana um, is co-signing on Michael B. Jordan's comments. Michael B. Jordan wrote an essay um, for Entertainment Weekly basically um, 
addressing the criticisms of him being cast as Johnny Storm. Um, it seems that <laughs> some of the dude bro fanboys are feeling a certain <laughs> way that an African American is playing a role that has been traditionally a blonde haired, blue eyed man in the comic books. Um, and I just love the essay. It was just so beautifully written and it was just so eloquent. Um, and I love that Michael B. Jordan. He shaded people, but in such a classy right. way. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. I'm not. I'm not that. I'm not that nice. I would have just went off. But he was just like, for all of you people that feel a certain way, take a walk out. Why don't you step outside of outside of from your computer screen and go outside and actually open your eyes and look at the world that you live in. This is the world that we live in. We live in a world of color, not a world exactly. of whiteness. Yeah, so um so yeah, so it seems that um Zoe, you know, was very inspired by Michael's words and I think she wrote this on her Instagram. Um this is what she said. She said, Thank you for speaking up. If we question why Michael has been cast to play the human torch in Fantastic Four, then we must also question why Elizabeth Taylor played Cleopatra, why Angelina Jolie played Marianne Pearl in A Mighty Heart. Good point. Why Lawrence mm-hmm. Olivier played uh, Othello, why Burt Last Burt Lancaster played Apache, and the list goes on and on. Let's not throw rocks when we all live in glass houses. And I was like all right, Zoe. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> we have black Zoe back. Yeah. Right. So, what what did you think of what did you think about Zoe's comments, Kim? I I love that. I really was proud of that moment. You know, we have some. I've had issues with Zoe in the past or whatever, but she she makes a very good point. It's like seriously, and we've talked about it before. Um, mm-hmm. There's a history of. You know, it's it's okay for white people to play, you know, Native Americans, and it's just all fine and dandy, and it's all good. But like the one, two, three times we have like, and, and there's nothing that necessarily says this character has to be white. It's a comic book, so the fact that they're playing with the race is not like it's a actual person that they were like, you know, doing this to. It's a character mm-hmm. in a comic book. So yeah, for people to be all up in their feelings, I agree with what Michael B. Jordan said. It was always said, like, get up from your computer, look out in the world. This is the only. Mm-hmm. I mean, like this place we call you know people of color minorities. When in actuality, there are more people of color on this planet than there are white people. But that's a whole other dis- discussion. So yeah, I, I applaud her for mm-hmm. you know, calling it out and being real. Like it's not that serious. Like calm down, please calm down. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree with you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I – oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Ahead, I'm just super late, and I'm sure you, brought, you guys probably – and I'm sorry I'm late, everyone. Um, but I was just going to say, I don't know if you guys had already talked about Aloha, which is what everybody is talking about, online at least. Have you guys already talked about oh, not that yet. since we're on the subject? Of yeah, we mentioned it. Yeah, we wanted to talk about that, so you came in just on time, just in time. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. going to take a back seat, but, yeah, since we were on that subject, I figured we should add it. Oh, no, I mean, well, what did you think What did you think of um, Zoe's comments? And, and leading into that, what, did, what, do, what, do you, what are your thoughts on Aloha? Because that mm. – um, <laughs> Well, I, I, first of all, I feel like we've, we've been saying those comments that Zoe Sadana has said. We've said that repeatedly on the show um, – and it's just interesting that there's so much. I said the other day, or maybe it was today, I'm, all my days are boring at this point, but I said that 
before Hollywood used to be, and they've always been late spending in terms of white actors playing these obviously ethnic characters. Um, but before they used to put on these, you know, ethnic features, put on these false features, whether it be makeup or prosthetics or whatever. And now um, I feel like more and more lately, it's just basically no prosthetics, no no makeup, no cover up. Just come as you are, and you, you can just pretend to be. Asian, for instance, in Aloha, or whether it's black or whatever it is, there's no, but I don't even try to to make them look at all, quote unquote, ethnic. And so yeah. it's, just, it's just, it's annoying that these people, and, and we talked about it several times, that these trolls are yeah. just like going on their racist um, vents on Twitter and beyond when we have this history of this happening in the other direction and nobody said a word and no, and, and that's all okay. But when, you know, yeah. the human, to- or when um, Michael B. Jordan or um, when, yeah, when Michael B. Jordan plays the human torch, then that's a huge problem. But these years and years and years of history of race bending is not a problem. This is what I'm, I'm just uh-huh. like, what, like, like she said, you know, people in glass houses can't throw stones because, it just, it's so contradictory. It's such, it's so hypocritical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> in the first place, uh, to be honest with you, I I had zero interest in Aloha, like the minute I saw the trailer. And there's a big old, there's a big poster of Aloha in Times Square um, on 42nd and 8th. And so I just feel like it's been mocking me because I have to go by there every day when I go home. And so I was just like, I'm just going to pretend this movie didn't happen. But I had, no idea that Emma Stone's character was part Asian. I was like, uh, excuse me, what's her last name? Ng? Wait, so it's NG. And so I think the storyline is that her father is like half Asian or something like that. And I was like, of all the people that you could cast, you're going to cast Emma Stone? And I was just like, no. But but just to be sure, right, because we know that um, multi-ethnic people don't look a specific way. I was like, let me Google you know, Emma Stone's uh, ancestry, because maybe I missed something. Maybe maybe she has an Asian grandfather. No, she's German, Irish. You name the whitest of the white of the white, that's Emma Stone. <laughs> there is nothing even in this chick. So I was just like, I'm not sure how Cameron Crowe could have thought that that was a good idea to cast this one, particularly when we have lots of um, multi-ethnic Asian actresses. Like, was Maggie mm-hmm. Q not? On his list, or Lucy Lu, like I was just looking at, like, come on, sir, this is not. They're both available. um, Somebody, uh, because somebody wrote an essay about that, and they, um, what is her name? She's the one who played Sloan on uh, Newsroom. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on her name right now. Oh, Oh, Olivia Munn. uh, Olivia Olivia Munn is part. Right. I mean, at least can can you can you help us out here? Can you just kind of help us make the leap of believability. I was just like, you guys, that's not, you know what I mean? But, yeah, the, the, that's that's the whole thing. So, I mean, I'm glad that that Zoe spoke out. And I was all happy. And then, of course, here comes Miss Cynical in my head because the day after, like two days after Zoe Saldana's um, comments about Michael B. Jordan, that's when it was announced that this Nina Simone movie, it's coming back. I was just like, I thought we, I thought we, yeah, I was like, I thought we settled this that we are not interested in this movie. But somehow, um, it it does seem that um, Universal, I think at least Universal 
studios that I know, they're partly um, going to be distributing it, and it, they've partnered up with some other indie um, production company. I'll, I'll get the information for you guys. But, yeah, the movie is coming out, and we can expect to see it later this year. So, I mean, I can't help but to feel a little cynical that maybe perhaps Zoe Saldana is paving the way for her comeback <laughs> because she's going to have to pro- she's going to have to promote this movie, right? And we already know you the three of us have watched this whole, you know, the whole controversy from beginning to end and now and from what I'm understanding at least for me, I was just kind of like looking through twi- Twitter and just kind of reading people's opinions. People's minds have not changed about Nina Simone movie. If you loved the idea two years ago, you're still for it. If you can't stand the idea, I have not seen anyone that's like, ah, oh, you know what? I've had a change of heart. I think maybe I'll give this movie a chance. Nope. <laughs> it's so polarizing. I think it's one of those. I do think it's going to be one of those movies that everyone wants to just see, just so they can they can not say that they're ragging on a movie that they haven't seen. They want to at least see it and then continue to rag mm-hmm. on it. I think it's going to have that mm-hmm. effect. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. 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 yeah I feel like curiosity is mm-hmm. going to be the driving force behind anyone seeing this movie because, I mean, you've seen the pictures of, of Zoe from mm-hmm. the film, but it's like you want to see the actual mm-hmm. performance. And, again, maybe she will completely blow our minds and we will all be eating crow. However, I don't think so. But, you know, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I, you know, like, I tried to tell people, like, the news came out, I tweeted about it, and, of course, you know, I had the, you know, people that were on my timeline. Like, I had this person who was just basically, like, um, who was just basically like, shame on you. How dare you? You're a black woman. How can you be a black woman tearing down another black woman like that? And I was like, um, can you just back up a little bit? Because if you read my timeline, not once did I say anything about Zoe specifically, okay? I think the criticisms that people have, which I think are valid, whatever your opinion, whether you agree with it or not, it's not about whether she's good in the role whether she's a good actress, whether she's black enough. And I, I don't jump on that because Zoe is black as far as I'm concerned. She could say she's not, but she is. Um, I, I have no beef with that. My beef is with the creative choices that were taken as to the appearance for her to become Nina Simone, right? That is my beef, okay? And I was like, can we just not conflate her acting ability with the fact that she's basically in blackface. Yes, black people can do blackface. That is possible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you put you put like makeup that was like four shades darker than her. You put prosthetic nose. You gave her a mouthpiece. You get you know what I mean? So I think people are reacting to that. And so I think it's just kind of messed up that people are just trying to shush and silence people on under this whole guise of we have to support black artists and we have to support black art. No, I don't. <laughs> oh, no, I don't. I, Absolutely, yeah. Go ahead. No, it's it's crazy because I, I mean, I've already said everything I was going to say about the Nina Simone mm-hmm. movie, especially since I haven't seen it, so I really can't say anything more about it. Yeah. I don't think my, my biggest thing again was still I don't think that she was the best uh, actress for it just because her she has a very specific type of acting ability that I don't think fits into the story. Mm-hmm. But I haven't seen it. Maybe she's. She's going to totally turn all that around and she'll just blow me away. I don't know. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just, I, I'm just, I'm just over it. I'm, I, I'm, I'm over it. Okay. <laughs> it's I'm, just, it's it's happen. I'm just over it. 
<laughs> okay. Well, now I, now I can ask you this. I can ask you this because if anyone has looked at Candace's, Candace is now part of Team Natural, okay? So from one naturalista to another, that wig on Zoe, oh, well, all three of us are natural. I mean, Candace, that hair is just ridiculous. I was just like, my fro, even on my worst day, never looked like that. I'm not sure where they got that wig from. <laughs> it's just I, I mean, I the I don't even remember the or maybe I just kind of blacked out on the hair <laughs> part because I was more just like this is still Zoe though, <laughs> like like I see her very clearly. Like she's not, you know how we say about certain actors, like how they disappeared into a role, they completely transformed. I just see her in makeup. Like I I don't really mm-hmm. see I see Zoe in makeup. Like I don't see Zoe as Nina Simone. I, I just see Zoe playing make, makeup downtrodden makeup like she looks very very depressed <laughs> like, in her makeup, like she doesn't even seem happy she does not even seem happy to be playing <laughs> right. she looks just as mad about as we are <laughs> she looks <laughs> mad about it. horrible horrible mm-hmm. all righty so we're going to segue into our, our casting news really quick um <clears throat> um so first up and this was pretty interesting i actually found out about this um just before i was uh, watching San Andreas, I saw my Twitter lighting up. Um, Kat Graham, um, she currently stars on The Vampire Diaries as um, Bonnie. I forget what her last name is. Um, she plays a witch. Um, and so she's been cast to play Tammy Terrell in a new biopic. I was like, oh, okay. I mean, I, I saw a picture. Somebody took a picture of her side by side with Tammy Terrell, and I can definitely see the resemblance. Um, and so I'm glad mm-hmm. they honored that because I, I feel like they have similar features. That's how you cast somebody, at least. Um, the acting ability, I mean, I have watched Vampire Diaries on and off. You know what I mean? I kind of got interested in this season because they had this really interesting Gemini uh, witchcraft storyline, which was kind of cool. Um, and so what is especially interesting with Vampire Diaries is that the lead actress, Nina uh, Dobrev, exited the show so now the two remaining, one of the two remaining female leads is Kat Graham. So I have a feeling that they will be beefing up her role um, for next season so she'll have, you know, more to do. Because she's kind of like, you know, the lead character's best friend, blah, blah, blah. So now she's probably going to have her, her more story arc or whatever. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I mean, her acting is good. Oh, plus she did Honey, too. The sequel to Honey. Yeah, she um, did. <laughs> yeah, she did. Sorry. So I, I, I think, was that yeah, real? she's pretty. Yeah, that was real. Um, right, she is a movie that Candace doesn't believe exists. <laughs> it really, really did. <laughs> I was like, did I was, Yeah, so it was, um, I, I mean, I think Kat Graham is a beautiful girl. Um, you know, she, from what I understand, she sings as well in real life, and she has, you know, a, a pretty voice. The acting ability, I don't know. I mean, I the thing is, I I don't know that much about Tammy Terrell. I just know about the music that she did with Marvin Gaye or whatever. So um, I'm hoping that this will be a good opportunity for her. I mean, maybe you guys know more than I do, but I don't know. So here's the thing, Kevin. Wow. <laughs> I, saw, I saw that news, oh, too. And I was just like, really? I feel like when you do a biopic and you're portraying someone that existed in real life, you have to have a certain, like you said, level of acting ability. And, again, I've seen Honey, too. I'll admit, I've seen Uh Honey, too. 
And I don't think Cat <laughs> Grant is there yet. I don't watch the Vampire Diaries, but I've seen Honey too. I've also seen the uh, she had a funnier die skit. That was pretty funny with uh, Kaylee Hawk, the black and Jewish thing. Hilarious. However, does that qualify mm-hmm. you to play Tammy Terrell? I don't know. You know, Tammy had a really tumultuous life with David Ruffin and James Brown and just really short life. She only lived to like be like 30, in her 30s maybe, I think. And mm-hmm. I just don't feel in my soul that Kat is the right choice for this. She looks like her a little bit, so I can see that. And if that's your main goal, someone who looks like Tammy Terrell, great. But for me, I think you need someone who can act just a little bit more better than I have seen from Kat. This could be the chance for her to do that and turn me around and make me a believer. However, comma, not quite sure. So we'll, we'll see. Mm-hmm. But I, I had questions when I saw that. I was very confused. Very. <laughs> I, I'm concerned. I'm super concerned. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I've been, I've eaten crow before. I've I've said that, oh, my gosh, it's going to be an awful movie, and I, like, completely bad-mouthed it and watched it, and it was amazing and loved the person. I just, again, I will admit that maybe I'll be eating crow later, but right now I'm not eating crow. <laughs> I'm, I'm mm-hmm. really deeply concerned about this, and I, I will just repeat what I've said about some other stunt casting. Specifically, when we're talking about movies about singers and people um, with musical music capability, I think it is not just enough that the person looks like you know looks like the looks like the subject mm-hmm. of the film, whether it be mm-hmm. um, uh, what's what are their names? Um, Denzel Washington, Angela Bassett. They're great actors. They were fantastic as Tina Turner and Malcolm X, hands down. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, they don't right. particularly mm-hmm. look like the. Well, I I actually do think that Denzel really really transforms into Malcolm X. Um, he does Hello. kind of favor him in with that. Mm-hmm. But um, regardless, I think that you need to one prove yourself. You need. I mean, it just seems like they're not really caring about a Tammy Terrell biopic that you're just going to find any unknown person, which is fine. I'm all about unknown unknown like casting unknown actors, but. This person's actually on a show, and it seems like people who have actually seen her act are not really impressed. I have never seen her act, so I really can't judge that. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like everybody else who I know who has seen her is they're just like, mm, not, they're not really <laughs> sold on this casting choice, so which it, mm-hmm. it concerns me. And can she sing? I don't know. Can she, mm-hmm. I mean, can she take on a role of this size and do we even care does Hollywood even care to take or to cast somebody who actually has the ability to take on this role I just feel like in terms of particularly black um, black celebrities who have Mm -hmm. their own biopics like Tammy Terrell black female celebrities rather um, Mm -hmm. it seems like it's like oh whatever just cast any old person that's maybe popular or has a lot of Twitter followers let's cast Mm -hmm. I mean let's cast um, Zoe Saldana as Nina Simone let's cast Kat Graham who honestly I had to look up who that was let's cast Kat Graham Mm -hmm. as Tammy Terrell because who wants to see a Tammy Terrell movie who even knows who Tammy Terrell is who cares about who Nina Simone is this is what I'm getting. This is the reaction that I'm getting from it. Like, there's just not enough um, significance or desire to even mm-hmm. get these stories right. So just cast anybody. Mm. Um, I, you know, I 
I mean, again, I, I agree with you because I'm I'm keeping an open mind. I mean, I haven't heard, like, when the news dropped that Cat Graham would be playing um, Tammy Chua, there wasn't that buzz or that interest, like, oh, my God, like, yeah, I could totally see her. That, But, again, that might be because of the fact that she's on the show that, and I'm not trying to be shady, it's not on Black Twitter's viewing list. I'm just going to put it that way. <laughs> I'm sure there are black people that watch Vampire Diaries, but I just know that, like, on my timeline, on Thursday night, I never see Vampire Diaries on there. I know I have a couple of followers that watch it, but it's not, like, must-see Twitter, like, say, like, Scandal or anything else. So it could be that people are just unfamiliar with her or still remember her from Honey 2, which, you know, whatever. So, um, but then, too, the question is, um, the point that you said, Candice, about not caring about who you put in the role, I attribute that partly to, because I agree with you, is that it depends on who the powers that be are behind the project, right? Like the whole thing with Nina Simone, to my knowledge, when I looked at IMDb, almost everybody involved in that project is white and overwhelmingly male. You know what I'm saying? And so it was just like, oh, let's, you know, the director and the writer is a white woman, but this is a woman who just met Nina Simone for like two hours. She was like a photographer's assistant and met her at a photo shoot. You know what I mean? And then it was just like, oh, I love Nina Simone. Let me, let me make a movie about her, you know? And I noticed that um, depending on the type of people or the demographic of the people that are behind black biopics, you get to see how much, or how much sensitivity or how much, um, they're engaged in the casting and and telling these stories. You know what I'm saying? So I'm I'm not sure who the who the who the production company is behind this. I don't know. <laughs> like I can't even yeah. I can't even speak on it. I'm hoping it's some brown people. That's all I'm saying. I hope there's some brown people involved in it. Other than that, it's like you know. Is just like oh she looks like Tammy Terrell so let's cast her and yeah like I agree with you that it mm-hmm. doesn't it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily have to be that the person looks a hundred percent like them absolutely not no. but yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's um so I guess we'll keep our eyes open and um well from what I understand it's somebody named Mariam Miyaka Day wrote the Untitled Project which marks uh, Graham's feature debut and is being produced by Robert Heddle, Rose Gonzuga and Hilary Shore. I have no idea who these people are. Who are those people? <laughs> those real people? <laughs> I'm not sure. I haven't recognized the name. I am concerned. <laughs> you wow. know, don't get me wrong. I mean, of course, you know, we're the ones that always say that we definitely want more black female biopics. So, mm. I mean, it's a win in that department that we are having that. I'm just not familiar. I guess I will do my research and I will get back to you guys next week. I guess we can, you know, revisit it and, you know, find out who these people are and see, you know, what their past project is and maybe we can predict what kind of project we'll get. So, um, yeah. So, um, in other news, um, this was, it, it was a weird, like, yay. And then afterwards it was kind of like, no, wait, hold up. Wait a minute. Um, it seems that, uh, um, and now I'm blanking out. <laughs> uh, Kiki Palmer, thank you. Kiki Palmer has been cast in the live action uh, adaptation. They were doing a remake, a live musical of Grease. Um, and so she has been cast in the role of, is it Frenchie? 
Marty. No, she's going to play Marty. She's playing Marty. Sorry. Mm-hmm. That was originally in the movie. That was Dinah Manoff who played the role. So uh, Marty uh, Marty was kind of like the ditzy one, right, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly? Her last name was Mar- I believe Marty. Marty was, um, and Kim might be able to confirm this, but I think Marty was part of Rizzo's side, her little clique. Yeah, right? she was. She was the pink lady. Yeah, she was one of the pink ladies. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so she, yeah, so she was kind of like the the ditzy one. Well, all of them were kind of the some. A lot of the pink ladies were ditzy, but I remember Marty. Her last name was Maraschino, like cherry. I remember that. So, oh. um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, so, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm happy for Kiki because whoever is on Kiki's management team, they are doing the thing right now because she's just everywhere. I'm really looking forward to Scream Queens, um, the new Fox series, and I, I think she's great. I look, Just from the stuff that I saw, I'm really excited to see that. Um, and she was also in last the last season of Masters of Sex um, as Coral. She played, mm-hmm. uh, she played a nanny slash housekeeper. Um, mm-hmm. to um to the uh, Masters family, um no I'm sorry to the Johnsons family, and that was a really spicy role I loved it, um but yeah I I don't know I mean I don't I'm not sure if maybe Kiki picked the Marty role because she felt like I want to do something different than what people think I am because to be honest with you I really saw Kiki as as um Rizzo as the leader of the mm. Pink Ladies because she had. Because she has that kind of dynamic, like, you know what I mean? I kind of saw her in that role. So, I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, I think uh, Rizzo is... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say Rizzo was being played by Vanessa Hudgens, you know, that hardcore Vanessa Hudgens. And um, Sandy is Julian House. Get out. I didn't know that. So it's Julian House, Vanessa Hudgens, and now um, Kiki Palmer. No. Just want to throw that out there. Oh, that is awful. My question also, that was a strong reaction. Yeah, that that was real hard. Why are they doing these live television-type deals with these iconic plays already. I know they did the one with, uh, they did Peter Pan, which I don't know anyone who watched. Yes. I know they did The Sound mm-hmm. of Music on NBC, which everyone hated. And now Fox is getting yes. into the game with Grease. I'm just like, I'm not sure if this is a great idea, but I mean, I like Kiki. Yeah. I love Kiki. So, you know, yeah. anything that raises her profile, I guess, is good news. I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. What do you think, uh, Yes. Yes, to that last point. I've all, I've loved Kiki for a long while, and I'm glad that – I'm hoping that now um, more people will, you know, shout her name from the rooftops. I am not mm-hmm. for this trend of TV live adaptations of musicals. I want it to die, like, immediately, if not sooner. <laughs> so, so it's interesting because there's a lot of people who also hate this trend, but they will hate watch this to death. And so the numbers, like the ratings would go – sky high, and so they're like, oh, people will watch this. They're not thinking that people are actually hate watching this, but they're like, oh, people are watching this. Let's, let's like, you know, do 20 more of them, and we're, and I'm, I'm over here like, oh, my gosh, I'm dying. This is, this is like, this is like killing babies to me. Why are you doing this? And because it's consistently doing this. But um, I thought that Kiki, Kiki would be better as Frenchie. When I, I was, I heard Marty, okay. and I thought Frenchie. And I was like, oh, not okay. Frenzy, not Beauty School Dropout, because that's when, that's, I, in my head, I had already created the whole scene in my head with Frankie Avalon. 
<laughs> and then yeah. they're like, oh, it's Marty. I'm like, oh, whack. Um, but yeah. I actually do like the idea of her as Rizzo. I hate, with a passion, uh-huh. the idea of Vanessa Hudgens, who I'm not... Yeah. I'm not sold on in any capacity, in any in any type of talent, ability across any board, singing, dancing, yes. acting, any of it. Um, and mm-hmm. so for her to play that major role, and I think that's a huge major role. And if they put, if they bring yeah. all the nuance from that character that Soccer Channon brought to the to the movie, I I don't think Vanessa mm-hmm. can handle it. I mean, that's one of those movies that talked about heavier things, and people actually might realize, like there was abortion themes, there was like pro-choice, there was um, feminism, mm-hmm. all these things, and I just don't think that Vanessa can handle a single one of them, honestly. That's real talk. <laughs> but yeah, I think that um, what's her name? Um, oh, what's her name? Kiki could have handled something like that, and that would have really raised her profile. I think that she could have. She, she's just really good, and I feel like she's always in things, and she's not really mm-hmm. showing her full capability in any of them. Except I haven't seen yeah. her sex, though. Yeah, um, yeah, she was really, uh, it was a very interesting storyline because uh, the Johnson family had just, you know, they, they had a baby. Um, it seems the wife was going through some sort of postpartum depression, right? And so they hired Kiki, you know, to help out as a nanny, you know, and kind of like light housekeeping. And what happened was Kiki's character, Coral, was actually very good with the baby. The baby automatically bonded with her, right? Because, like, the mother was holding her, and then she handed the baby over to to Kiki, and then Kiki made the baby stop crying, and it was like she was just better than the wife in almost everything as far as child-rearing. And then there was this weird um, rivalry. It was like this resentment. That the that the wife had toward Kiki's character and would like publicly shame her, like she would correct her grammar in public and everything. Like she was just she just did not see her for anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. and I thought Kiki really showed um, a range that I hadn't seen before. I was like, oh, okay, you know what I mean? So I was like, <laughs> I, I really like this. So yeah, I mean, hearing about Greece, to be honest with you, I would. I would quick. I would have just given Vanessa Hudgens Marty and give um, Kiki Palmer Rizzo. I think Kiki Palmer can do Rizzo. Mm-hmm. I don't see Vanessa Hudgens doing Rizzo at all. No. Nope. Nope. Um, <laughs> that's not. She's cute. And, of course, some people will come with the argument of, oh, well, Vanessa Hudgens, oh, she's on Broadway, and she just did, well, Breakfast at 10. Wait a minute, she's on Broadway? No, I'm sorry. Oh, she was on Broadway. Yeah. reaction, but yep. she's on Broadway? What in yeah. the world is happening? Yeah, she's playing one of those Audrey Hep- Hepburn movies. I forget. It's either Breakfast oh. at Tiffany's or my favorite. I forget which one. Um, but Kiki just came off a house, just came off a Broadway too. She just finished um, Cinderella and got really good reviews. So as far as I'm concerned, yeah. the two of them are neck and neck. As far as I'm concerned, yeah, I, I, and yeah, I. I don't see it for Vanessa Hudgens like that, but whatever. Um, <laughs> to me, she's still high school musical. I will always see her as the high school Very. musical chick. <laughs> Very. Well, there yeah. is, so whatever. Um, so in other news, and ending with our casting news, and I was just so happy to hear this, and this actually dropped the same day as the Affirm Rebellathon. Um, Amma Sansei already has her second feature movie lined up. Um, and it will star David Oyelowo, 
and Oscar-nominated actress Rosamund Pike. I just love the two of them together already. I cannot wait. And so uh, this movie is actually based um, on a real-life story. Um, let me see. Oh, it's um, it's basically it's a bi- it's, I think it was it has to do with racial marriage, a marriage of inconvenience. It's based on the novel, The Persecution of Serexi and Ruth Kama. And so he was a South African man who married a white woman, and the country was basically like, oh, this is not legal, and basically tried to um, uh, tear them apart or to say that the marriage was not legal. So Amma has joined um, the project. She will be directing. I am just so happy for her because I've been wondering because I know Alma was just like being very cagey. She was like, yeah, I've got something, got a couple of things cooking or whatever. And then it was just like, boop. And number one, I've never heard of this story before, so I'm very excited. I'm already ordering the book so I can read it. And I'm just, I think the thing that I love about Alma, and I've spoken to her a couple of times about this, that she was like, if she is going to do historical movies, like movies like Belle, she's always interested in those very obscure, lesser-known stories, um, you know, in our history that she wants to put to light. And I think this is an excellent topic, interracial marriage, you got all of that, you know. So, And, and the mm-hmm. fact of seeing David and Rosamund together on screen, like, my head is about to explode. Like, I'm just so excited to see um, what she's going to do with that. So what, what do you guys think of the project? I really like I, it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I really like it. I think it's really, really intriguing. I, for some reason, I have, I thought, since when I was reading the synopsis, I thought of The Loving Story. Have you guys seen that documentary? I know I've talked about it a couple times on the show. But yeah, it reminded it? me of this, even though it's not at all related to this, but it's, it's you know, interracial marriage, and it's um, it was set or Basically, it's about a story that happened here in America, in the around mm-hmm. the Virginia area, I believe. But this, oh, okay. I love that she's bringing. Yeah, I think I love that Ama is bringing these British stories about race to American audiences because I feel like I'm kind of learning something, and I feel like a lot of these stories and a lot of these perspectives isn't isn't something that's so called popular here in America. And I hope that uh-huh. she just continues to grow as a filmmaker and really just, you know, continue to bring bring us these stories and with actually really talented people. She she draws such a really, um, or she attracts a really great cast. I, I, even um, with the the previous Belle, that had such a great cast, and this already has a great cast. I mean, I only know that the there's I only know the two lead leading actors, but I already know that this is going to be. I think this is going to be pretty intriguing. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah, I love everything about it. I love Ama. I love David. I love Rosamund. And like you said, I like that she's bringing the British perspective to race issues because I feel like, you know, black Americans are kind of so focused on the American experience. But, you know, black people deal mm-hmm. with stuff all over the world. <laughs> so it's good to see a different mm-hmm. perspective like that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you guys because um, I don't. I, I just wanted to give a shout out. There's this new web series. Well, I shouldn't say new, but it's it's a web series. You can find it on YouTube. Um, it's called Strolling, um, and it's a uh, she's a woman of color, a filmmaker of color. Her name is Cecile Amit. I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly. Um, and basically, she, what she does is she goes. She she's based in London, I believe. So she's traveling around Europe, like England. 
France, Italy, uh, you know, Denmark. Like, she's going to all these different countries talking to people of color that live in these European countries and just talking about their experiences. And I really feel like um, sometimes we romanticize, um, like, oh, racism is so horrible in America. Maybe if I jump on a plane and just move over to France you know, things will be better. And it's like, no, it's not. <laughs> not really. Mm-mm. You know, and just hearing, hearing these experiences from young people of color who are living over there, it, the racism is just different. It's just mutated to something different, but it's no less racist. You know what I mean? And so watching this series, I think she's like eight or nine episodes in, um, it's mind-blowing. I was just like, wow. You know, um, what was especially interesting mm-hmm. to me was that, um, you know, she's, spoken to a few black women in France and, you know, the, the movie Girlhood with by Celine Sciamma, French, black French women are not crazy about that movie over there at all. We love it over mm-hmm. here. They don't like it over there. Yeah. So it was very interesting. It was very interesting to kind of see um, the cultural connections and the disconnects. You know what I mean? But, yeah, but that's all to say that I, I'm just really excited about this project and I, I hope that what Ama is doing is kind of what will inspire other filmmakers to find these type of stories because I feel like movies can educate you, you know, as long as it doesn't feel like, you know, after school special or whatever, but just even finding a subject matter um, or a person in history that we didn't learn about or that we've never heard about, um, I just feel bigger as a person. Like, Belle to me, I had no idea about that story. I didn't know about Zaito, mm-hmm. Elizabeth Bell. I didn't know about the song, um, about the, the, the ship, the slave ship that was perfectly sung. And so it was just like watching that movie was just very educational. It was just very eye-opening to me. So um, congrats to Alma. And um, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to seeing um, David and, and Rosamund do their thing. So um, we're going to move to our uh, other topic of the night, Summer movie previews. So this summer, well, so we're going to kind of list, we'll go around and just kind of list the movies that we're um, looking forward to, whether major studios or indie or whatever, just which movies, you know, you're looking forward to. So, um, Candace, do you have a list of of movies you're looking forward to seeing this summer? I do. Um, they're kind of, they're all over the place, but the list, um, or the short version at least, is Jurassic World. Um, and mm-hmm. I think mostly just because of the, of the um, cause I, I really, I only saw the first movie, and then I didn't see any sequels, but I like the previews that I'm seeing of Jurassic World. Dope, which is, uh-huh. um, an indie movie. I, I think we kind of talked about it before on the show, and I know Shadow and Nack has covered it a couple times. It's very, it's like this hip hop nerd movie. Is I think uh, that's somebody had quoted it as that, but I'm interested in that. Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol, Southpaw, The Fantastic Four. I'm actually looking forward to that now. Um, Crouching Dragon. Didn't no, that's not it. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Is that sequel coming out this this summer? Now I'm thinking maybe I just what what's coming out? Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon. Oh, I don't know. I'll have to okay. look it up. Let me remove that. I just kinda of put that on there, but then I'm like, I don't think that's coming out. Um Entourage <laughs> because I just Yeah. I, I have I just love that. Um Minions. Um I love yes! the Pickle Me franchise. Ant Man. I don't know anything about this 
franchise's character or whatever. I love Paul Rudd as an aunt who's a man. I don't. I don't even understand it, how he. I don't even understand it all. I don't get it. It sounds stupid, but the previews actually drew, drew me in. And then yeah. there's um. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but it's Cesario, I want to say. It's the new movie or the upcoming movie from the director um, of Prisoners, which I actually, I liked. I I was very middle of the road of that movie, but there are some really great moments in that movie. So I'm interested yes. to see his follow-up. But I believe this is with, um, what's his name, Benicio Del Toro, uh, uh-huh. um, Emily Blunt. And I'm missing the other person. Oh, uh, Josh Brolin, I feel like, is in it. Um, oh. So, yeah. That's my list. Oh, I've heard of that. Oh, that's from the director of Prisoner? Oh, okay. All right. Got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just saw the poster for it last week. I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All righty. Okay. So, Kim, mm-hmm. what's on your must-see list for this summer? All right. I had Dope on my list as well and Southpaw. Mm-hmm. Um, I have Dark Places, which is based on the Gillian Flynn novel. Yes. And everything I see says that it's coming out this summer, but I don't see an actual date. So hopefully that will be out. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. My, I kind of want to see Straight Outta Compton, <laughs> the NWA movie. Uh, they've had uh-huh. some issues. You know, she's running over people and whatnot. But I do want to see the film. Um, recently mm-hmm. in the Flash, because I love Meryl Streep, and Meryl Streep as in a rocker kind of appeals to me. Um, <laughs> so that's on my yes. list. Yes. Uh, there's yes. a film with Lily Tomlin called Grandma, where she's like on this road trip with her granddaughter to go yeah. get an abortion. I'm down for Lily Tomlin. Oh, and um, another film, I think it was at Sundance, The Diary of a Teenage Girl, um, kind of like this mm-hmm. uh, coming-of-age story about a girl having an affair with her mother's boyfriend. And I really, oh really just want to see it because it's Kristen Wiig, and I think she's kind of crazy. But I kind of like the dramatic stuff that she does, too. So um, what else I, have? I think that's all that I have on my list. It's a fairly short list. Okay. I, you know, this is not my – I don't like the big blockbuster. I don't do any of that. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, so yeah, I um I am I'm interested in a straight out of Compton. I'm really interested to see um what F. Gary gave F. Gary Gray brings to it. Um I know I'm in, I'm in the minority of people that maybe I have this on their list, but I'm actually really looking forward to Fantastic Four. Um I know that the movie That was on my was, list. Yeah, I was. Oh, okay. Thank you. Oh, good. Um, I know there's a lot of the controversy over Michael B. Jordan, whatever. But that being said, because Michael B. Jordan was cast in the role, I really want to see what he does with Johnny Storm because I do think he's Johnny Storm. I think he has the looks, he has the body, he has the charm, he has the charisma, he has everything that Johnny Storm is. You know what I mean? Aside from the blonde hair and the blue eyes. So no problem with that. And um, I'm really – and plus uh, Reggie Cassie is in the movie. He plays um, – Franklin Storm, he plays the father. So it will be very interesting to see this take of the Fantastic Four because from what I understand, they're saying that this is going to have more of a Cronenberg feel to it, which I'm in because I love Cronenberg. Um, uh, the other movie I'm looking forward to it, – it was a small indie movie. I think it played at Sundance. It was called Infinitely Polar Bear. Um, it's yeah. with Mark Ruffalo and Zoe Saldana, um, and so he is some. Uh, I think Mark Ruffalo. This is actually based on a, a, a true story 
um, I forget the name of the uh, I think her name is Maya something. I forget what her last name is. Um, but it's based on her real life experiences. She's the product of a of a interracial marriage. Her father is white, her mother is black. The father, her father, who's played by Mark Ruffalo, um, suffers um, a psychological breakdown. I think he's bipolar, um, and so the mother decides to go back to uh, school to get her master's, her MBA, and leave the two daughters with Mark Ruffalo while she's in school. Um, so it's kind of based on you know her experiences living with her dad. So. Um, Mark Ruffalo, I love him. I've, I've never seen Mark Ruffalo do a performance where I was like, I hate this. I don't like this performance. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's he's awesome. And I just love the fact that we finally get to see an interracial family on the big screen. Finally. You know, and not just like the side story B or like in the background. Like this is a interracial family front and center. So, um, I'm very. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, the other movie so, I'm really well, looking forward to seeing. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say though there was a way we go. Yes, thank and you. Celeste and Jesse forever. Yeah. Oh yeah. Even yeah, though they yeah. weren't in a relationship, they were actually breaking up. <laughs> yeah, and doesn't notice that these are all indie movies. What's up with that? Yeah. Like. Sure. Yeah, that's sure. very that's very interesting to me. Yeah, um, the other movie that I'm really looking forward to is Inside Out. It looks so adorable, and um, I know that it it screened at Cannes and it's been getting rave reviews. Um, and it, I just love the idea of like like when my my friend saw it, he was like, "This is Herman Dead, right?" I'm like, "Yeah, set to animation, <laughs> basically." <laughs> so yeah, I don't know that one. Movie. Oh, Herman's Head, it was like this, um it, it was like this um sitcom back in the eighties. I'm totally eighty aging myself oh. now, but it was this guy named Herman. He was kinda like this very milkatole, like very shy dude. And there were like these different actors who played aspects of his personality that were like oh, in his okay. head. So like you would you would mm-hmm. see him on a date and then it would be like the actor who plays anxiety or whatever or fear or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so they would all interact with each other and it was really cool. So um, Inside Out is, is basically like that. It's your different emotions are personified, mm-hmm. and you know, I think it's like joy, anger, um, disgust. Uh, Mindy Kaling voices disgust, and she's so funny. At least on the clip that I saw, um, and Amy Poehler uh, voices joy and stuff. So I and it, I I just I just see the trailers, and I just think that it's cute, and I think it's especially cool that it's the main character is a little girl. So. Um, that's what I have on my list so far. I don't know if it's yeah. I'm looking forward to Dope. I cannot wait to see that movie. I'm so excited to see this movie. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I had San Andreas on my list, and I'm going to watch it all. So goodbye. Uh-oh. <laughs> goodbye. Yeah. Goodbye. So there was another movie that I wanted to see. It, it actually just came out this Friday. Um, oh God, why can I not remember the title? It says I don't know if it's Heaven Can Wait or Heaven something it's about it's actually based on the real life experience of this young woman who is a drug addict and she actually plays herself in the movie. So yeah, I I, I for some reason I the, the title is escaping me. Um Oh I think it's called Heaven Knows What. Oh I think, I think I've heard about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's like two Street, I mean, they're two, like, drug addicts in love or whatever, but she's actually playing herself in the movie. Um, the only thing that I found interesting 
about that is because um, I was reading about it in Time Out in New York, right? Found out about it. Then I saw a feature in the New York Times or whatever. And it was very interesting to me that whenever there's movies about drug addiction that have white characters, the words that they use are different, right? Like they use the word tragic. They use the word, um, you know, they at one point they were calling her like a dark angel. I don't, I forget which article it was. But I think, but then if it was a movie with black drug addicts, then they talk about societal problems, right? And then they talk about how it's pathological and blah blah blah. And it's just very interesting to see how they frame movies when the drug addicts are white compared to when they're people of color. I'm always fascinated by that because it seems to me that when a white person is a drug addict, it's just attributed to them. But then when black people are drug addicts, it's attributed to their weight, to their race. You catch what I'm saying? Like it's it's, it's very interesting mm-hmm. to me. Like I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can even make because I'm thinking of um, oh gosh, uh, the inevitable the inevitable defeat of Mr. Pete that kind of comes to mind with Jennifer Hudson's character, you and you can exactly. you can kind of put that against every single white character about, who is actually drug addict, including <laughs> um, American Crime, which just um, had its season finale recently, but. I don't know if you guys watched that show, but similarly, um, those two characters, and one of them, the black character, was, it was all about his race and his how he was brought up and everything, and for the white character, it was exactly. completely framed differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. I, I actually need to finish watching American um, Crime. I got up to, like, episode five, because this is the one where he was, he was just starting to have his trial, and you're right on about that, Candace, because when I was live tweeting, I would live tweet, American Crime, what's the name of the girl? Aubrey, cannot stand her. Mm-hmm. And so I would write about her, and then it would be like all these white girls would jump on my timeline. Oh, you have to have sympathy for her because X, Y, and Z, and she doesn't know what she's doing, and she's taking drugs. And I'm like, interesting, because I'm sure if Aubrey was black, you wouldn't have that much sympathy for her. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I just found mm-hmm. that so interesting how they framed her in this. And I think that was intentional. I think the story, I think the writers intentionally made Aubrey that way to kind of show the hypocrisy of, of how we frame people yeah. who have, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I couldn't stand her. I, just, I was just like, the only time I just turn off the TV because I'm like, I want to kill this girl. I cannot. But, yeah, I got to, did you finish watching the, the whole season, Candace? Because I, I got to catch up. I did watch it, and I tweeted, like, maybe midway through the season. I was like, at this point, I'm really only watching for Regina King. I wish that they (laughs) really kind of – I wish that they had more of a character or more of a three-dimensional character for her, or we at least saw more of her um, in terms of, like, you know, more of a point of view, rather. Um, I feel like mm-hmm. everybody else, they focus on, and I think I treated this exactly, they focus on all the worst characters in the show, and they spend like 25 Woo! minutes with them. But I, you know, I I appreciate that, you know, not everybody has to be this goody two-shoes, and everybody had flaws on that show. I mean, right. yeah, on that show. But um, mm-hmm. I just I just wish that we saw more of a balance in the characters. I agree. I, I I was hoping that we were going to get more of Regina King because I found her character so fascinating, right? Because uh, depictions of, 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 of Muslim women are usually like they're oppressed and they don't have any agency or anything. And then, you know, mm-hmm. not which is kind of insulting because there are lots and lots of Muslim women who choose to be Muslim and are very happy. 
with their faith. Mm-hmm. And um, the one thing that I loved was the one where she was giving her testimony about why she became mm-hmm. a Muslim mm-hmm. and how she was saying she was just mm-hmm. so empty. Oh, I was like, that is her Emmy reel. Oh, my God. It was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. after that, you hardly saw her. It was all about Aubrey. Right. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Aubrey and uh, Felicity Hoffman. And, again, I, I mean, Felicity Hoffman's character was just so just awful. But I appreciate that they at least showed that this person exists and she's not an isolated case. There are many people like that character who, you know, exist mm-hmm. in this country. So I appreciated all of that. It's just, again, the balance. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so we're going to go to our, our last segment really quickly because I know everybody wants to – I know the red carpet's going on. I know Kansas is all about the red carpet. Um, tonight yeah. is the 2015 <laughs> Critics' Choice Television Awards, um, which will air on the A&E channel um, starting at 8 p.m., um, so I'm just going to go through the nominations really quickly, and then you guys just tell me who you want to win. Um, <clears throat> best comedy series is Broad City, Jane the Virgin, Mom, Silicon Valley, Transparent, Veep, and You're the Worst. Jane the Virgin um, for me. Okay. Veep. Veep, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to pick you two. I love Veep and... What's the three-way time for me um, between Veep, uh, Veep, Jane the Virgin, and Transparent? Those are my three favorite comedies right now. I love those shows. Um, I just started watching. I'm glad that Broad there's a category. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I love that there's a category that there's actually three people, three like great, you know, series there. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, I love I love all three of those shows. Um, I just started watching Broad City a little. I watched the first season on Amazon. It grew on me. <laughs> I don't know. Really? I have to watch the other ones. Yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. I mean, it's it's not as offensive. It, it doesn't bother me as much as girls, but that's not saying much. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know anything actually, about this show. I have to look it up. Oh, Broad City? Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll fill you in on it. Um, so, mm-hmm. Best Actor in a Comedy Series, um, Anthony Anderson Blackish, Chris Messina, Mindy Project, Jeffrey Tambor, Transparent, Johnny Gillespie, Big Bang Theory, Thomas Middle Middle Ditch, Silicon Valley, and Will Fort, um, The Last Man on Earth. Uh, I would say no, either Anthony Anderson or Jeffrey Tambor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think I've only seen Blackish. <laughs> Out of all these people, um, okay. But actually, I was I was saying, oh, when when you mentioned Will Forte, because I didn't realize that show actually came on. So I thought it was yeah. coming on, but it, apparently it had a full season. I didn't realize. But um, so hands down to me, Anthony Anderson. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, you know, well, we'll talk about this when we get to that. Uh, when we get, to, I, I'm mad that Blackish is not even on for best comedy series. I just noticed that. That was crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not cool. Um, I think, to me, out of all the nominations, I, I think Je- Jeffrey Tambor is probably going to walk away with the win. But I will say that Blackish and Anthony Anderson, that show has gotten exponentially better. Like, when you look at the pilot to the season finale, that show is just leaps and bounds. It's so amazing. And I'm just so mad that people are not 
understanding how good black is, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, as for Will on Last Man on Earth, I haven't seen this show yet, but I did see the promo, and I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it because I know other people are thinking it. I'm like, if this is the Last Man on Earth, I guess civilization is just gonna end because I'm not procreating that. That is not. Oh dear. Nope. Mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen it either. But I know Boris Kojo's on there now, too. And I'm just, ooh, yes. that's interesting. Oh, he is? Interesting. Wait, so, gonna, yeah, he is. Okay. Yeah, so, I think I know where the women well, uh, are going. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, yeah, and I'm like, well, um, I didn't realize he was, gonna, he was on that because I know he's on um, Real Husbands of Hollywood, which is never nominated yeah. for anything. But Another overlooked comedy. Damn. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, Best Actress in a Comedy Series, Amy Schumer, in, Inside Amy Schumer, Constance Wu, Fresh Off the Boat, Gina Rodriguez, Sandra Virgin, Ilana Glazer, Broad City, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, V, Lisa Kudrow, The Comeback. Mm. I like Constance Wu. She's hilarious. Hilarious. She is. She's mm-hmm. very, very hilarious. I think she's great on that show. I'm going with Julia Louis Dreyfus. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, um, I think they're both great. Me too. Um, I'm split. I, I can never make up my mind. Mine is between Ju- Julia Louis Dreyfus on Beat. She is just brilliant on that show. Love it. Mm-hmm. Um, my other person that, and I started watching this show. I did like a. Um, like a binge watch this weekend. Amy Schumer. Amy Schumer is the truth. I love her so much. I was like, I gotta have a beer with this chick. Like her comments, <laughs> the, the usual skits that she does, the commentary that she's been doing this season on women in Hollywood has, is so scathing and so true. Is not even funny. She did this skit um, that was called the Last Effable Day, right? So it was Julia Louis Dreyfus. Um, um, Patricia Arquette, and I forget who who the other actress was. So these are all actresses that are like in their 40s and 50s. And so basically, they were saying that as an actress, you have a shelf life of your sex appeal, right? Oh, the other actress is Tina Fey, right? So these women get together and they basically do a ceremony, right? When it's your last effable day, the last day when you're casting directors and people will see you as a viable love interest and just look at you as like this sexless whatever. And I was just sitting there looking at this kid like, oh my God, this is so true. You know what I mean? Especially since I think we talked about this, about the whole age gap between love interest, between male love interest and always getting like a younger female love interest. That kid was right on the money. I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Man, yeah. Um, yeah, okay. We'll have to talk about that next week. We need to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Best Supporting Actor in a Comedy Series. Adam Driver, Girls, Cameron Monaghan, Shameless, um, Jaime, Jaime Camille, James the Virgin, T.J. Miller, Silicon Valley, Titus Burgess, Unbreakable's Kimmy Schmidt, and Tony Hale from V. Oh. Titus Burgess for me. Titus Burgess. I like him. He's awesome. For Peter Roy, nothing else. <laughs> yeah. I want to see... 
I love that these awards are actually choosing people that not, I mean, they're not just going with the same five people over and over. Like there are people on here who I feel like nobody ever talks about or no, never get nominated for anything. So shout out to Critics' Choice for taking a chance. Um, that said, um, oh, Tony Hale, so goofy on me. <laughs> so goofy. Um, I love him. I, he's great. Um, I kind of want to say, well, no, you know, I was going to say Cameron Monaghan, but I thought he had a better season, but I'm glad that he's actually even being recognized because he is great on that show usually. Um, so okay. I'm going to go with Tony Hale. Oh, that's a good one. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> all of these are so good. I can't, oh. well, I mean, mm-hmm. Tony Hale, Titus Burgess, and Jaime Camille. Jaime Camille as Rodrigo, as Rodrigo de la Vega on Jane the Virgin, he is so hilarious. Like, I just sit there sometimes like, dude, I can't. I can't with you. Because that role could have easily been like a – it could have been like a very stereotypical Latino macho role, but because of what Jaime Camille does, he basically makes fun of that trope. You know what I mean? Because he plays, like, this very, you know, uh, macho role on these telenovelas, but he's actually goofy off screen. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't very really goofy. have it together, as you see. And so it's a very it's a very subtle, but it's a very sharp performance. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to have to go either with Tony Hale or Jaime Camille. I, I, either one of them walk away with it, I'm okay with that. You know, if Titus wins, I'm okay with that. Anybody else, no. Um, Best Supporting Actress in a Comedy Series, Allison Janney, Mom. I still have not watched this show. Um, Carrie Brownstein, Portlandia. Eden Scher, The Middle. Judith Light, Transparent. Maim Bialik, uh, The Big Bang Theory. And Melanie Linsky, Togetherness. I don't watch. Wait. Maim Bialik, hands down. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh. Yeah. I you know what? I love Kim for constantly choosing my bio like every every time she's not made for anything. I I'm just gonna go with that. I have never seen any of these shows, honestly. I've never seen a single one of them. Mm-hmm. So I'm just gonna go because I'm gonna go with Kim. I'm I'm gonna say my um my Even yes, though I love Judith okay. Light, she's amazing in everything and so is Alice and Janie. Yeah. Um I'm actually gonna go with Judith Light on Transparent. She was awesome. I I really liked her performance. She was just like this very kind of sassy Jewish ex-wife. I like I just loved her whole vibe throughout the whole show. She was just really good. I I hope I hopefully I think she's supposed to be back for the second season. She's awesome. Um, so uh, best movie made for television. This is interesting. Bessie, HBO, uh, Killing Jesus, National Geographic, Nightingale, um, A Poet in New York, and Stockholm, Pennsylvania. Some lifetime. Never heard of that. Mm. But, yeah. What What are you guys going for? Uh, Bessie. <laughs> I'm trying yeah. to say Bessie and Nightingale. They're actually going with two I've seen. Me too. But I'm going to say Bessie. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I have not seen either of these. I mean, any of these movies. So I'm just going to go with Bessie based on my timeline. And I wonder why <laughs> Killing Jesus is on National Geographic. That was my question. I didn't know, was it yeah. like an animal type of? I don't know, whatever. But I'm going to go with Bessie. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, uh, Bessie and HBO, like HBO has really been like stepping it up with their TV movies. Like um, what was the one last year that came out with um, 
the AIDS epidemic. Um, shoot, it was a normal heart. Holy no, no, cow! Heart, yeah. I was so mm-hmm. I was so blown away from that. Like I had to lie, like I had to physically lie down because I was exhausted, but not in a it's like, a very boring, exhausting like, movie. Yeah, it was emotionally wrenching, and so I and so what they've been coming out this year so far with Bessie and Nightingale, keep it up HBO because yes, love that. Yeah, the other ones I haven't seen, so I don't know. Um, best limited series: Twenty Four Live Another Day, American Crime, The Book of Negroes, The Honorable Woman, Olive Kittredge, and Wolf Hall. Um, I have not seen any of these. Well, I saw part of American Crime and part of Book of Negroes, <laughs> but uh, I haven't watched any of these in its entirety. So uh, I'll just say the Book I, of Negroes. <laughs> okay. I've seen 24 in its entirety and American Crime in its entirety. Um, I, I, uh, okay, I'll go with 24. I'll go with 24. Yeah. <laughs> I you wanted to find my answer. <laughs> okay. I did, I did, but you know, I was like, we don't have time for it. Let me just step off my soapbox for a second. <laughs> um, no, you'll have to you'll have to share it on Twitter so that way we can discuss it. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Best best actor in a movie or limited series: David Oyelowo, Nightingale, James Nesbitt, The Missing, Kiefer Sutherland, Twenty Four, uh, Mark Rylance, Wolf Hall, Michael Gambon. Uh, Gambon, The Casual Vacancy, and Richard Jenkins, Olive Kittredge. Well, oh, yellow already has my vote. <laughs> yeah. Mean, yeah. Come on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, sorry. I'm just <laughs> this. I've never seen – well, I've only seen 24, so I'm just back to that again. But I'm going to go with David Oyelowo because, I, again, I just think he continues to evolve as an actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, Best Actress in a Movie or Limited Series, Anjanou Ellis, Book of Negroes, Felicity Huffman, American Crime, Frances McDormand, Olive Critchridge, Jessica Lange, uh, American Horror Story, Freak Show, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Honorable Woman, Queen Latifah, Bessie. Um, I'll go with Queen Latifah. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. Too. I mean, this one... Good people here. There's some great people here, actually. Um, great. But I'll go with Queen yeah. Latifah. <laughs> I was going to say Anjou yeah. Ellis, even though I didn't see that. I didn't see any of these, mm. actually, except American Horror Story. <laughs> I hear Maggie Gyllenhaal is amazing in The horror, the Honorable Woman. Honorable. Um, I need to watch that. And Frances McDormand is great. Hmm? Yeah. I'm pretty sure, from what, I've under, from what I'm understanding, the Critics' Choice love Olive Critchridge. I tried to watch it, and I, I'm going to have to revisit it because it, it didn't – I didn't find it that compelling, so I changed the channel, but I'll have to just go back to it. Um, but, yeah, I, I, would hope, I hope that when people walked away with it, that would be awesome. Um, Angelou Ellis was amazing in Book of Negroes. And I just want to say that I hope that because Book of Negroes was nominated by Critics' Choice, I hope that they will finally get the memo that original programming pays off for them. They should, I mean, because from what I understand, mm-hmm. Book of Negroes was actually a Canadian, uh, from uh, Canadian Broadcasting and BET optioned it, but hopefully this will inspire them to get these types of movies because it was, Anjanou was just amazing. I was just in there like, wow, okay. Um, mm. So we're going to move to TV dramas. Um, best drama series, The American, Empire, Game of Thrones, The Good Wife, Homeland, Justified, 
Orange is the New Black. Mm. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> very difficult. <laughs> now we're getting into my territory. Right. Yeah. I want to see Orange is the New Black. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Candace? Um, I would be okay if Homeland Justified or Orange is the New Black won. Any of those okay. three. Yeah, I know you're a huge fan of Justified. I, they're saying mm-hmm. it might win. Yeah. Okay. It's the only um, time it's ever nominated for anything, so I'm glad that it's getting some recognition. I will say Homeland and Orange is the New Black gets nominated on every single major award show. Justified never does. Yeah. Um, yeah, two quick comments on the best drama series. Where the hell is House of Cards? Because I don't see House of Cards on here. I'm just so upset about that. Mm. Um, and number two, I'm like, this whole thing with um, Orange is the New Black, I, I have to rant about this really quickly because I'm so pissed off at this. This whole campaign of moving Orange is the New Black from comedy to drama, it's effed up, okay? Because I have a feeling that there were some uh, certain networks, CBS, looking at you, that saw that Orange is the New Black was smoking them in the comedy series, and they were like, oh, we can't take the competition, let's move them to drama. Orange is the New Black is not drama. It's a dramedy, but it's, to me, in my personal opinion, it's more of a comedy. Mm-hmm. I just think pushing them into drama. Because you notice in the, in the, in the comedy, um, in the comedy um, um, nomination, none of the women show up. They did that on purpose. You know, and I just think that, you know, yeah, Orange is the Black has really, has it travels a very, very, very thin line. It always has. I mean, honestly, I'd be fine with either category. I don't think it's more one than the other, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it's. I'm kind of I'm I'm kind of partial on it. Like I'm mean, not partial. I'm very neutral on it in terms of the genre. Right. Because until there's right. a category called uh, you know four dramedies, I'd be I'm fine with either one. But I do think that that probably plays a role. Just like I do think even when we talk about other um, award shows where they nominate people in supporting roles that are actually leading roles or leading roles that are actually supporting mm-hmm. roles. They do that because they want certain people to win. That's that's like their that's like a that's how their lottery works somehow. Exactly. But, and they justify it. They've been doing it for years. But I think that this is this probably is another case of that. Um, but again, yeah. I think it walks a very thin line. Orange is the new black. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a heads up, we have about sixty seconds left before we get cut off. Okay. Oh, okay. So, well, guys, we I will be watching and live tweeting. The Critics' Choice Awards, again, starts at 8 p.m. on the A&E channel. Um, anybody who's going to be watching it, we can let me know. We'll be live-tweeting it. Um, so yeah, are it. you guys going to be watching? Yes, I'll be watching. Awesome. Okay, so you can look for us on, on, on Twitter. We'll be shading people in their poor fashion choices. Oh, Lord. <laughs> 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 so everyone have a great week. We'll be back next Sunday. We'll be doing our live tweet, correct? Yes. Yeah,
With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.